Well, good morning, Covenant Life Church. Uh, it's a blessing to be together this morning. Uh, you know, we've had the opportunity over the last several months to do some things differently. Uh, we've been forced to do things differently. Um, obviously, the surrounding of COVID and quarantine and lockdown has really restricted what churches can do in gathering together. But the good thing is that it's really not closed the church. It's just forced us into life and innovation in new ways. So this morning, we're excited that we have one of those innovative things that can occur. Uh, I've invited four men that I've gotten to know uh, that are with Unite, an organization and a relational organization that we've been a part of for the last few years. Both me and Jamie and Anna have been engaged and our church has hosted a luncheon here. We've had opportunity to work with other churches and, and these four men are with Unite and we're gonna have a little discussion today around what Unite is all about. Uh, and really how we can be uh, engaged in our community with what God is doing today. Uh, Unite was started about 17 years ago with just eight churches. Uh, it was really a dream about a multicultural, multi-denominational network of churches that could partner together and seek kingdom transformation. And wouldn't we all want to see that? That's what we're really all about, His kingdom. And we now have more than 100 churches involved in Unite. And Unite is really designed with the understanding that we want to work together. We want to partner with other community leaders, church leaders, uh, educational leaders to accomplish this reality. We want to see our city feeling a tangible difference, an impact, a blessing that comes uh, because the church is operating as it should. We want to see communities transformed. We want to see the gospel influence people. We want to see lives changed. We want to see the kingdom grow. And so out of that, I've invited uh, four men that are with Unite, uh, but four of my friends. And I want to just introduce them real quick and get an opportunity for us to share this morning. So first of all, we have Chip Sweeney. And Chip, give a wave there. It's good to see you. Uh, we are excited that he's here with us. He is the Unite president and the part of the executive leadership team. He's also the executive director of Extension Ministries at Perimeter Church, and he is a founding member of Unite. And then also with us is Brian White. Brian, good morning. Brian uh, is also a part of the Unite leadership team. He is a part of the pastoral care team at Perimeter Church, and he also is a founding member of Unite. We have Tito Ruiz with us. Tito, good to see you this morning. Tito is uh, also a part of the Unite leadership team. He's the lead pastor at Stone Mill Church, Atlanta in Duluth, Lawrenceville. And lastly, we have David Park with us. David is a part of the Unite leadership team and lead pastor at Open Table Community Church in Brookhaven. So men, welcome. It's great to see you all. I'm glad that you could be here. Um, First, I'd just like to ask Chip and Brian to kind of give us a, a history of how Unite started, how it came about, how your relationship really formed in it. Well, Chris, uh, first, I, I think I want to say just thank you uh, to you and <clears throat> encourage you and uh, your church. And I want to say, personally, you have been a pastor to me. Uh, just by your care, prayers, encouragement. And so, uh, brother, it's a, it's a privilege to be with you and with your church today. So I just want to give you a thanks and a shout out, my friend. Uh, Thank you, Chip. 
Yeah, it's, it's really fun to be together. I just, you know, as I look at my, uh, my brothers here, I just, so many stories and life together sort of flash before me. And, uh, and it, it really began back with a lunch in the spring of 2003 at this little restaurant called Piccadilly in, in Norcross. And it was a few of us who were pastors and church leaders in that area who kind of regularly got together. Uh, but that day, we asked a question that I think changed everything for us. And that was, it was, hey, we're, we're each doing some neat things. In other words, our churches are each doing some neat things in the community, but what if we did it together? And really, it was out of that, uh, that question and that lunch that Unite was birthed. And it was at that, uh, at that lunch that I met my, my twin brother of another color, different mothers, but the same Heavenly Father. And, and I have to say, I mean, initially, you know, quite honestly, we, we came together to work together. I mean, you know, we didn't come together initially to, to build a, a, a deep friendship, um, but we came together, you know, the, over a purpose. Um, but that quickly turned into a, a friendship and relationship that, uh, you know, has changed both our lives and our families. Oh, that's awesome, Chip. Brian, what, what do you remember about those days? What, what was it all about for you? I remember uh, coming together at this meeting, and as Chip said, it was a bunch of clergy. We called ourselves concerned clergy. And I, 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 quite frankly, I can't remember what we were concerned about. I just know that we were there having a good meal and, and a good fellowship. But uh, I believe, though, that it was providential that we got together because God had something in mind that he wanted from the church. And that's kind of how it evolved. Uh, as far as Chip and I go, I was the pastor at a pretty sizable church in Norcross, Hopewell Baptist, and he was the pastor at Perimeter Church. And there were other pastors there. And uh, it it just began to evolve. We had meetings trying to determine what we were going to name it and, and what, what the agenda was going to be. And during all those meetings and gatherings, uh, I started to get a little closer to Chip. I say, this is a guy that we, we share the same passion about the community. And I said, yeah, I can, I can really work with this guy. And uh, so that's how our relationship evolved. And so just working with him, uh, starting to share time with him, things begin to change in terms of my thinking of him. Uh, at first, he was uh, a collaborator, a guy that uh, we were going to come together and, and do some kingdom work. And all of a sudden, he got relational. And I didn't really struggle with it, but honestly, Chris, I wasn't looking for any white friends. You know, I, I had three or four, and I had reached my limit. And so, so Chip and I, we, it, it just began to evolve. And I was like, you know, it's just, just, he's, a, he's a great guy. And uh, next thing you know, it's like, I mean, I love this brother. You know, I just, he, he's easy to love. He's a great guy. And then, uh, Chris, next thing you know, families started to interact. And 
And we started to not only work hard together, pray together, but we started doing life together. And so that's kind of how uh, our relationship evolved. And that was the beginning of it. So. And that is, uh, that's beautiful to hear you say that, Brian. Um, it sounds like God had some other things in mind than what maybe y'all were planning. He definitely did. Uh, and I think that for the most part, not only did it benefit me, and, and I'm sure that it benefit, benefited Chip as well, but it benefited our families as well. And so as it turns out now, uh, there are a couple of generations of my family members that refer to Chip as Uncle Chip. I got a daughter that refers to him as Uncle Chip. I got grandchildren that refers to him as Uncle Chip. It's my brother. And so if nothing else happened out of Unite, if Unite wouldn't have uh, gone anywhere, that happened, and you can't take that away. And you know, my my uh, my son and daughter both call Brian Uncle Brian, and so it's. I mean, we're family. Yeah, we're family. That's tremendous. You know, I think we use the scripture: "What God has joined together, let no man put asunder." Yeah, this is a joining. This is uh, something that's evident. In fact, it's the very relationship when I first met you two men that I was drawn by. It, it's what decided for me to be involved with Unite. Yeah. Well, listen, we have two other guys here with us, and I don't want to leave them out. So, David, why don't you just share how you came about getting involved with Unite, how you came up upon these two gentlemen here? Oh, wow. I was starting to feel like the third wheel, right, uh, right Tito? Um, well, um, I got to meet Unite through uh, – getting getting uh, involved in the Shambly area at first. Our, our church was uh, in a Shambly location and then uh, saw that churches were uniting across the city and felt like, hey, that's, that's what I want to be about. And so I don't know how exactly Chip and I met that first time, but I could tell with the, with the priority on prayer and uh, reaching out and, and being about relationships, I was hooked. So pr probably that was what, 2000? eight, 2009, somewhere on there. And so uh, we started a friendship then. And then uh, I forget how long ago, Chip, you might have to refresh my memory, but I think there was a time where we really started to get serious about like, hey, we really want to form some relationships that are very intentional. And so it was Tito and Brian and, and uh, Chip, and we started meeting much more regularly and, and started breaking bread and giving each other a hard time. Um, <laughs> That's what really you know, sold me was, man, I just, I just need a heart. And I was like, Brian, I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure I need more friends. Um, especially as a pastor, I think you start to, so one of the, one of the adverse uh, uh, effects of being a pastor is you start to um, get real weird around other pastors. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm just real weird. Uh, but then I get really weird with other pastors. And so um, getting to talk to other people in ministry, um, actually was a real salve to my soul and just to, to know Chip and Brian and Tito has been a real blessing. <laughs> That's awesome, David. I, my, I tell my wife that uh, my love language is harassment. So and giving each other a hard time, I, I understand that. It may be a spiritual gift. I don't know, but it, it's up there in that list. So Tito, share with us what your experience has been and how the Lord brought you into relationship with these men. Um, for me, um, it started around 2006, actually, 
when I was hired by a church to launch a Spanish-speaking ministry. And that church happened to be uh, associated with Unite. And that's when my first exposure to Unite came. And I met uh, Chip and Brian. And I remember I'm coming from a, a evangelical uh, Spanish-speaking ministry and very, very formal. And, and I come into the first meeting, and I apologize for that noise. It's a, it's a, a garbage truck driving right now. But uh, coming to the first meeting, meeting this, this, this man for the first time, and it, we're introducing one another, and I start talking. I don't know if you, you, if you remember Chip and Brian. When I'm, it's, it's a blessing to be with this man of God. And, I, and they go, what? Come on, man. <laughs> At that moment, something happened that diffused. It brought down a lot of walls. And, um, and then as I started attending those meetings and, and, and building more and more relationships and, and life started happening, um, I remember one time I was in a really uh, bad spot in, in my life personally, and Brian just stopped the meeting right there. And he immediately said, let's, let's stop the meeting, let's pray. And he stood up, he came be behind me, put his hands on, on my shoulders, everybody else surrounded me, and they began praying. I will never forget that. That has happened more than once in my life. And that moment, it was just, you know, I just, I just fell in love with the brother. And then Chip Sweeney, um, he, uh, Unite, uh, at the time was doing, besides our monthly Unite gatherings, they were doing quarterly senior pastor meetings. And he invited me to attend. And I remember telling Chip, hey, Chip, this may be a mistake because you invited my senior pastor, but I'm not a senior pastor. He says, I see you as one. And he gave me a, a, you know, a seat at the table. And I was sitting you know, at that table that I go, man, what am I doing here? And that was the beginning of many other experiences, traveling together to, uh, around the country, uh, to Brazil together several times. And, uh, and that's, you know, I, you just had to fell in love with the brother that uh, treated you that way, sharing influence that way. And, and David, I met David through our denomination. We just happened to be in the same denomination, the Evangelical Free Church, and that uh, we would meet at his church. And, 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 and then I just, he, wait, you got to hear uh, David speak. And it's, you're not going to take two minutes without, you know, going, noticing David. I'm falling in love with his heart. And uh, so, and, and he also, you know, opened his heart to, and, and we became friends. And, and the more that we, we spend time together, I get to know him more. And it has been such a blessing, a blessing. And then through, in the last few years, uh, the four of us uh, have been intentionally getting, you know, gathering together, uh, having lunches together, sharing life together, traveling together. Um, you have to, you know that a brother loves you when they request to be a roommate at a hotel and they know I snore like, 
crazy. That is love, brother. <laughs> so that's it in, in a nutshell, my experience with these three brothers, my hermanos. <laughs> the hermanos, the four hermanos, I've heard you call that. That's wonderful. It's uh, it, you know they love you if they're willing to share room with you. That's oh, true. Especially with me. <laughs> you know, I've heard I've heard each of you talk about and in fact this is kind of a byline you'll always use. It's all about relationship. And uh, it just bore witness with me when I first heard you say that. I, a Bible teacher that was very influential in my family when I was growing up was named Derek Prince and he had a quote that said, "The purposes of God are born out of fellowship." And I, I, it just always resonates with me that that's where it starts. It was always about relationship. Why don't you just, uh, Tito's already kind of led us into that conversation, but talk a little bit, Chip, about what the relationship has meant to you and how that's been a priority for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I, I've, I've been on a learning journey related to that. And I'll, I'll have to say, I want to give a shout out to my twin because I think I've learned more about relationship uh, from him than, than anyone else in my life. Um, and that, uh, you know, I, I tend to be uh, focused, strategic, and I want to help make things happen. Um, now, I, I love being around people. I always have. Um, and, and so <clears throat> I've loved being, you know, part of building relationship, but I, I think he has taught me a lot about the priority of building relationship because it all gets back to trust. It all gets back to trust. And particularly when we're talking about working together and building relationships with those different than us, when we're trying to build friendship and, and, and love between uh, those of different color, there's got to be trust. And because typically it, there's not going to be trust to begin with. And the only way to get there is through relationship. And it goes deeper than just working together. It, uh, it really goes into life together. And I'll say for the four of us, you know, we intentionally, what, four years ago, whatever said, Hey, we want to go deeper. Yeah, we're working on Unite, but we want to go deeper. And so when we get together, you know, we have, um, we have a very uh, energetic dialogue. <laughs> we don't always agree. Uh, we don't always see things the same way, uh, but it helps us to understand each other and, uh, and love one another at a deeper level. And also walk through... I, I mean, I, I won't go too deep into this, but I, I've walked through uh, uh, three or four months beginning in December, January, the hardest season emotionally I've ever experienced in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, these brothers were one of the first ones to begin to identify that I was in trouble. <laughs> they saw that I was in trouble uh, because they were with me. And, you know, they were willing to challenge and walk with me. And yeah, so it's, it's all about relationship. Uh, that's tremendous, Chip. Uh, 
Brian, uh, share with us, because I know I've just, I've seen the relationship you have with Chip. I know I've been enriched by our relationship. What does that mean to you? Well, first off, Chris, uh, let me just kind of be upfront. Uh, the whole relationship piece was something that I felt strongly about, but I was thinking more in terms of the movement. I said, this movement is going to require that we're going to be gathering different churches, different denominations, different ethnicities, different cultures, groups of people that believe a little bit differently about theology. And so I felt that, and Chip and I was in agreement, we felt that if uh, we want to get this thing off the ground, we better start building relationships because we're gonna, we could potentially be at odds. And so that started the whole relationship idea. And so that was it for me. But God began to, during this time, begin to deal with my heart. You know, uh, and it's, if you believe that what the scripture says, that a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, you have to love this brother. You, know, you, just, you can't just work with him, you know. And so that started the journey for me. Uh, and it was work for me because uh, I'm probably, I'm the oldest guy out of this group. And I came, I was raised in the South, grew up around a lot of segregation and hatred and all that kind of stuff. And so that was a lot of distrust in my heart. And so once God got my attention in terms of, of uh, forgiveness and, and reconciliation. See, I have to be reconciled first to God. I couldn't, I can't reconcile with nobody else unless I be reconciled through God. And so once God changed my heart, that opened up the door for me to look at, at relationships beyond the idea of working together, but opened my, my mind and my heart to the idea of loving this brother uh, like he's my own family. And so that's how it evolved for me. I, I wasn't there right away. I really wasn't. And, you know, Chip is such an easy guy to love because he's like a sponge. You know, like we, we go in the meetings and the whole environment, uh, John Kennedy's church, the room is full of black, black pastors and folk and somebody will say something, Chip will lean over and say, what did he say? What did that mean? This thing that he didn't understand. I said, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it on the way home. So it's been an amazing journey. And, and I really love this brother. And I, I love the journey that we're on. I love that. It speaks to humility in your relationship, <laughs> both on your part to really decide your reconciliation with the Lord required you to be reconciled with your brothers. Yeah. And it, it shows humility on Chip's part, just the way that he has walked and learned and, and continued in that relationship. David, share with us what your perspective is just on these relationships that have been so meaningful. Yeah, I think that's the key. Um, I mean, not, not to just uh, repeat what everybody else has said, but I think you can only really move at the speed of trust. And um, unfortunately, trust goes slow. And we have lots of reasons why our culture and society cause us to distrust one another. And if you look at most statistics, I mean, 80% of people um, or, or people only have friends that are like themselves. So if I have 10 friends, eight of them most of the time look like me or think like me, talk like me, buy and sell like me. So it's, it's really interesting that um, 
one of the things we're, we're trying to do here through, you know, very intentionally through these friendships is to make sure we're breaking that model and making sure that our friends are look different from us. And we're beginning to really intentionally build friendships that are beyond and breaking that the boundary of 80%. Yeah, does that that presents itself with a lot of challenges, I would imagine, um, and it uh, can be difficult sometimes to get out of that. I think that's kind of the difficulty that so many believers are having right now. Do you have any other words of wisdom or just lessons that you've learned in that process, or you are learning, David? Just what God is doing and having us having you be engaged with people that don't look like you. Oh, well, that, it's the hardest thing. It's the easiest thing to understand and the hardest thing to actually experience and submit yourself to, right? Is, is uh, I, I can understand that I need to love my neighbor, but uh, really, truly uh, submitting myself to that process and, and loving all their foibles. You know, when somebody looks like you and thinks like you, you make excuses for them and you understand and you rationalize, oh, well, they're just, they're the same crazy as me. So, you know, we just, but when they're different crazy from you, you know, that's, that's when it's really hard to love. But that's one of the things is you realize Jesus has a much bigger heart. Uh, and then if we, if we really are chasing after Jesus and being like Jesus, then we just have to understand, man, Jesus loves this person. Uh, Jesus loves Brian. I, I don't always understand why, but uh, he, he loves him. And uh, honestly, uh, I'm joking. I mean, it's really Tito that's kind of hard. To, and I'm just kidding. Anyway, anyway but I, I think that's really where you start to see uh, Jesus really challenging us to, to love one another. And the fact that, I, I mean, and this goes back to learning to worship in another tongue, learning to worship in another culture is, is one of those things is uh, it's, it's really, it's true discipleship, but it's not easy. That's so well said, David. Thank you. Tito, share with us your perspective on this because uh, you're from Nicaragua. And, uh, and so, in fact, your church, you, uh, it's a true bilingual service. You speak in English and in Spanish at the same time. At the same time. Uh, I mean, we've, we've had translation going on in the background while I'm speaking or another speaker, but you actually do it from the podium in both languages. Talk just a little bit about these challenges and relationships and what that has meant for you. Well, you know, we, 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 it, the phrase, it's all about relationships, is such, uh, it sounds so simple, right? Um, easy to remember, hard to do. It is so countercultural as well. We live in a culture that it is all about performance. We, if we, we live in a culture that it is all about producing return on investment. And we live in a culture that sees relationships as a as a uh, obstacle to performance I'm, I'm producing uh relationship is a uh, a burden a waste of time and when you come and you talk to people pastors churches hey let's build relationships what probably they start thinking is okay what you're trying to do is slowing me down we need to produce we need to grow this thing and when a uh, relationship is the most important foundation for anything that you want to accomplish ever in your life, especially in, in uh, building uh, the kingdom of God on this side of heaven. And, uh, and that has been a, a even for me, uh, I'm a Latino, 
Nicaragüense and relationship is, you know, in our blood. We're so welcoming people and people want to retire and, you know, go, go down to Nicaragua or Costa Rica to retire. And, and, but even for me, the, the beginning of, you know, my exposure with Unite was kind of difficult to, to accept because I was all in this mode of, of performing and producing as well. Little did I know that how much I needed that. And the fact that uh, building these relationships and others, this really has been the, a, a, it's been life-saving uh, personally. And, and God begins working so much in, in, in me that when we were faced with a decision to plant a church, uh, I was really at a crossroads spiritually emotionally i i was i didn't feel peace at all planting something only in spanish i didn't feel well at all planting something only in english there there had to be something where we could uh, uh educate and reach out to multiple cultures at the same time and and a ministry like ours a fully bilingual, Bible-believing, multi-ethnic model of ministry is also very multicultural because, uh, and since I am all about relationships, it is also hurtful when you see Latinos don't want to go to a church like ours because gringos are there. Or when gringos don't want to go to a church like ours because Latinos are there. And then there's a lot of political views and a lot of back baggage and background. So... But, um, but God really early in my ministry, he gave me uh, a scripture in Isaiah 66, 18, where it says the time is now and uh, that I will gather all nations and languages and they will come and see my glory. So just the, so that in a way, it's God is saying, it's all about relationships with everybody and I'm calling you to, to the mess. It's not going to be easy, but it's a lifelong calling. This is not a, a, a program that if it doesn't work, we'll move you to something else. This, uh, I'm all in. And uh, with the good, the bad, and the ugly, but there's more good, and it is a privilege, really. Oh, that's so good, Tito. Uh, really good. Thank you. Um, uh, we got some preachers in the room, by the way. I have a feeling we could just drop a little bit, and it might go. Uh, you know, and speaking of that, uh, to the Reverend, uh, to Brian, I just, the, the climate that we are in right now, um, you know, many of us marched on Atlanta just recently with one race and saw the need to come together and pray there in front of the state capitol. We've seen just the police brutality. We've seen the injustice. We've seen so many efforts that uh, have been seemingly not successful. And uh, what have you uh, just been, what has the Lord been sharing with you in these days uh, for yourself and for your brothers and for the church? Could you share with us, Brian, just what the Lord is saying to you around these issues? Well, Chris, uh, first of all, the Lord had to wrap his loving arms around me and hold me for a while uh, when this began to erupt because uh, I've lived this already. 
Uh, I lived it. I, uh, I went through a period of anger and bitterness, uh, heading toward hatred. And it took God a while to get me out of that mindset. In fact, it was when I accepted Christ, you know, seeing a man being Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. God got me on the right path in, in terms of my thinking and my feelings about what had happened to me in the past. So now I'm good. When this began to uh, erupt, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is familiar, you know, not again, not again. And so I was at a place, Chris, where, and I think I may have said it to a few people. I don't know, I maybe even have posted it. I don't get into a lot of posts on social media, but I said, I'm at the intersection of sick and tired. And that's where my heart was. You know, God, how many times do we have to go down this road? And so once God got me out of that mind frame, you know, it was, it, it was difficult for me. And so basically where I am with that is, I'm willing to have conversation, but I'm not willing to debate. I'm willing to talk about what the word of God says about where we are and what this is. And I don't want to talk about what C.S. Lewis said. I want to talk about what God said. And so that's where I am. And I'm, I'm engaging with people. Uh, and it's been great. Uh, people have, uh, communicated with me, they have lamented with me, they have prayed with me, they have cried with me. And there's one scripture that I've shared with a few groups of people. Well, it wasn't a scripture, it was a quote by Martin Luther King. I got it here. It says, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And so that's part of my communication with those that love me and the those that support me, I said, we're going to get through this. It's going to take some marching. It's going to take some of that stuff, but I'm going to need y'all not to be silent. And that's kind of where that is with me. I'm not pro sitting on panels with a bunch of guys debating. I've had opportunity to do that. No, I, I, I want to talk to some people face-to-face, one-on-one, I want, I, want, I want you to expose your heart, you know, and I'll expose mine because this is a hard thing. So that's kind of where I am. And, and Chris, I'm at a good place now, a real good place. Brian, I, I really appreciate you sharing from your heart. It, um, it matters who your friends are and it matters what they say. Yeah. And I'm grateful for you to share that. You know, we're coming close to the end of our time. I want to just have David just share just a few more things just about your view of where things are and what challenges you would put out there for our church, but just the church at large, uh, the things that you feel like the Lord is showing you in this moment. And then I'm going to have Chip uh, just share with us directly. Uh, I want him to just share from his heart. And then, you know, I've asked, I said I was going to close in prayer. I'm going to actually ask each of the four of you to close us in prayer after Chip shares. So, David, just 
share um, what you feel like the Lord would say to us in this moment. Well, you know, I, I think that part of it is, is uh, you know, I feel like we're sort of in the, in the time of the judges, right? Um, everybody does what is right in his own mind. Um, but I, I do think that what's interesting here is that the, the Bible has captures that sort of history. <laughs> you know, all, our, the, all the flaws of the kings of Israel, they're none righteous and worshiping Asherah poles and leaving them up and not removing them. And I, I think uh, we're in a similar place where if we look back over our history, uh, Brian's right. Uh, this is not new. He experienced this as a young man. He experienced this as a child. He experiences this now as an older man. Um, some of us are seeing this for the first time, but it's not new. Uh, the, uh, we have, uh, as much as I love this country and my parents came here to give me a better life, which I have a better life, but uh, that there, there are some, some idolatries and some things that we have to reckon with. So if we're, if we're going to be honest about our history and then um, just looking back and saying like, where, where has this happened before? And uh, I heard one person say like, uh, we've been trying to tell y'all, we, we wrote, we sang the blues. We've been singing the blues. You don't just make it. It's not just happy music that you come up with. We didn't, we weren't trying to sing the blues. They came out of us, you know, and it's one of those things that it's like, if they wanted dance music, they would have written dance music or sang, sang songs of joy, but they didn't call them the joys. They called them the blues. And I, I think that's one of those things where we have to reckon, where do these songs come from? Where do these histories come from? Where, where if, you, if you want to be honest, where are these riots and protests coming from? There's a lot of latent anger and mourning and and obviously behind the anger is a lot of lament and and I understand the anger is a very like we don't like to see it it's a very dis, disorienting emotion uh, but you know I I really think if if Jesus were uh, calling us to to be stronger and more courageous is to look past the anger sit uh, with people's suffering people's emotions what now I know I know. <laughs> from where I said, like, I, I want to figure out what's right. Like, hey, what, what actually happened? And, you know, you're carving out like, well, you know, procedurally speaking, you know, it was technically, but that's not really how you minister. That's not really how healing happens. Uh, if, if we're trying to figure out, like, criminally prosecute, that's, that's actually not our job. Our job is to come close to the suffering, be very proximal, and, and really start to unpack and begin uh, the work of healing. And if we really care about healing and reconciliation, we've got to understand the, the, the whole story, even if it's the parts of the story we don't like. I, I uh, often turn to Nehemiah 1, and I just think it's very powerful that Nehemiah, though he did not live in Jerusalem, he would hear the stories of, of, of his people and weep. And I, I think a lot of us don't want to hear those stories and then we're wondering why, why is there so much anger and why is there so much brokenness? But if we're not willing to hear those stories, uh, our confessions are often uh, without any teeth. But if you read that first chapter of Nehemiah, he hears those stories and then he repents for the sins of his people. He takes collective ownership. He's like, I didn't do those things. I didn't want those things to happen, but I'm going to own those things and prayerfully lift them up and repent. We're going to change. We're going to change the narrative. And I think that's very similar to where we are now. My dogs are barking, so they're, they're obviously in agreement. Um, but um, uh, 
I think we have to do the same thing. I think as Christians, I know we don't like to hear the story. Sometimes we're like, I don't think that's true. But I, I think, again, it goes back to the fact that if 80% of my friends look like me and think like me, and I don't hear another story, I don't hear another narrative, then we have a, a huge problem. Um, so um, I, I think that's one of the things that the church has to begin to do. We have to be known for listening to the narrative and then repenting for things that maybe we didn't commit, but uh, we're committed to changing. Yeah, <clears throat> that's so good, David. I um, I think what's on my heart is just, uh, you know, as, as a white man, maybe talking heart to heart with the with your white brothers and sisters, Chris, at the church. And uh, I, I feel like uh, the ball's in our court. The ball is in our court. And uh, scripturally, there, there's, no, um, there's no debate here. We are, we're called to love one another. Uh, Jesus has broken down every barrier and dividing wall. In fact, it says in Ephesians 2, right? He brought the two into one. Well, one new man. We are one. We are one. And uh, the question becomes, right, are we really going to live as one? And, and one of my biggest learnings, I say this quite often, is that um, I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, because I grew up in a very environment, white environment, where I was primarily around those who look like me. Uh, but that's not a good excuse. And the reason that I didn't know was because I did not have a close, close friendship relationship with a brother, with a person of another color. And when that began to happen in my life, it changed everything. It, it Instead of having a, a very... Uh, really narrow lens and focus of life and the gospel, all of a sudden it opened up the world to me and even a greater understanding and love of the gospel to me. And so it, it's in our court to take initiative to build relationships. And I love the five L's. I think it's really helpful you know, and the, the first is love. It really, all these flow from love, but um, listen, right? Just as David and each of these men have said, we need to take the time to listen to each other's stories so that we can learn uh, other people's stories and other ethnicities' stories of their lives and their uh, experiences in our country, we need to lament because there has been things done that are wrong. We can disagree all we want, you know, whether there's this term happening or what, but there have been wrong things done to our brothers and sisters of color. We need to lament that together as the body of Christ and then leverage. I, I think that we, as white brothers and sisters, we have relationships, we have uh, opportunities and connections and resources that can be used 
uh, to bless our brothers and sisters and help us all be stronger and better. And so my heart is um, specifically to us as whites is let's have courage uh, to just begin by building a relationship with a person of another color. And I can guarantee it will begin to change everything. Chris, may I say something real quick? Yeah, Tito, please do. Um, recently, um, Romans 1, 5, 6, and 7 hit me right in the face. And it reminded me of why I am in ministry and in the type of ministry, a multi-ethnic, fully bilingual model of ministry. It says, this is Paul talking, it says, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and the authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere that God, what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Verse 6 says, and you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to you all in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own people. Paul belonged to the, my, to the majority culture. Not only that, but he was an apostle, a leader in the church. And he's called, he says that we have the authority and the privilege to tell Gentiles, Gentiles who have been despised and, and discriminated against for, for, for centuries, says to tell Gentiles, to, to tell the minority culture, to tell them what, not only what God has, has done for them, but, uh, but that they are included, that they belong, and that they are loved. And as a minority culture pastor, I need to tell my, my culture, you're no second-class citizen. You're included. You belong. You're loved but also to the majority culture, to tell the minority culture, you are called, you belong, you are loved. So this is a calling for all of us, and it only comes through relationship. That's so wonderfully said, Tito. Thank you for giving that. Well, this has been amazing. I love you, brothers. I'm very grateful that I get to walk with you. And I'm going to change this a little bit here, too. I'm going to have Brian pray for us as we go out this morning. Um, I want to say to each of you and to our church family um, how much I love you and how much I appreciate uh, the kingdom work that each of you are involved in. And uh, I just say Godspeed to each of us as we continue in this journey. And uh, we'll have uh, Brother Brian pray for us as we conclude this morning. Our Father and our God, thank you for your visitation. We felt you, you felt your presence. We heard your voice. Uh, I pray God that the things that we have communicated, the things that we have shared, uh, our hearts have been exposed to you. And it is my prayer, God, that uh, it has been pleasing in your sight. I pray God that each of these brothers uh, will be found faithful as we go forward. 
and I'm certain that they, they will and that they are. But God, we will be faced with a difficult task. We will be faced with opposition. And I will be remiss if I don't address the evil one. But I would go on record as saying, no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. Because great is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we claim victory in all that is going on in this nation and in this country and in this world. And we depend and we are relying on you. But God, I'm going to rejoice in advance for the victory because the victory has already been won. And God, please receive my benediction prayer. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, the glory, majesty, dominion, and power, now and forever. And may the grace of God and the love of Jesus and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit continue to rest, to rule, and to abide with us henceforth now and forevermore. Amen. 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 Amen.